This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio as always. Very glad to have on as my guest, repeat guest, I'm sure. I can't even remember, but I'm sure uh, many times. It's the San Francisco Giant CEO, Larry Bear. Larry, how are you doing today? Hi, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We're uh, off to St. Louis these days, St. Louis in LA. So uh, it, a, a important and good uh, six games on the road. Yeah, you, you come in one game over 500, kind of been hovering around 500 for a, couple, a week and a half, two weeks now after a bit of a slow start. Uh, just We'll just start as usual. Like generally, uh, how do you feel about the team right now? I mean, look, I feel that, you know, Farhan and Gabe and the group have really uh, kind of into a into a, a pretty good place right now. We'll see. Um, you know, since May first, we're actually uh, twenty two and sixteen, uh, five seventy nine. We didn't have a great April. Had a, you know, not blaming it all on injuries and schedule, but a little bit bumpy. But uh, you know, I I think the fans and uh, and the the front office and everybody sort of sees a lot of reason for uh, you know some some. Uh, bright spots going forward through the season and beyond. And um, we're, you know, we're energized by the young players. We're energized by uh, just the way we've been playing really for the last oh, six weeks or so. Yeah. You mentioned certainly you've brought in a bunch of fresh faces, Casey Schmidt, Patrick Bailey. Uh, there's been others uh, and maybe others to come, which I'll probably ask you about, but have you been kind of waiting for this, waiting for this kind of crop of young players to kind of break through? There's been a while. I mean, to be honest, like there's been a while since, this team was stocked with young talent that people knew was going to be around for a while. How long have you been kind of waiting for this, Larry? Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, it's very hard to wave a magic wand, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you, you've got players coming through and you don't know and you make bets on with free agents. And I'm talking about now in the last decade or two decades. But kind of you know it when you see it in the sense that if you go back to those days of champion of the three championships, you know, it was a crop that came basically in the same, you know, relative time frame, right? 08, 09, and uh, coming through, and it was the Lincecums and the Posies and the Crawfords and the Belts and the Bumgarners and the Canes and the Romos, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of feels that way now, frankly. And uh, we've got, in addition to folks you mentioned, Schmidt and, and Bailey, me through, and Walker has pitched nicely. We've got, you know, an additional crop here that whether it's Kyle Harrison or Luis Matos and, and, and some other pitchers with Wizenhunt. I mean, there's a number of folks that are, you know, coming through the system that we feel good about. So you don't know things change, injuries happen, you know, but I just think that Farhan and the group have presented a, you know, a sort of a, a 
now a snapshot into where we're going, which is uh, encouraging and very encouraging for the fans and, and hopeful. And, and we've seen the fans respond. I mean, they really like the, the young players. And certainly through the years, we've also shown a, um, you know, an inclination to replenish and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, support the younger player movement with, with play, you know, more veteran players that uh, have track records that can, uh, can, can, you know, combine with the youth. I mean, obviously, Farhan handles the baseball stuff and, and the ups and downs, and there's all these other moves every day. I mean, look at my email. There's a there's a move or two every single day because that's the way the roster is handled. But can you see a Luis Matos coming up pretty soon, a Kyle Harrison maybe after that? I mean, do you think that's kind of on the schedule that these guys are coming up pretty soon? So, you know, the thing is there's always changes to the roster, right, from injury or performance or whatever. And I think Farhan said this the other day is that, you know, what we're, what we're really – Looking to is if you have a Luis Matos who is who is uh, playing great, you just want to make sure there's a spot for him, right? And maybe there right now it's not as obvious uh, that there's a spot for him. But you know we're in mid June, and you have you'll have call ups in September, and you'll have trade deadline in which is August first. So there's a lot that can happen over the next several months, and um, you know he's he's going at a great clip. And uh, now in Sacramento, going through the system fast, as is Harrison, as is Wisenhunt. So, uh, you know, you think that you put put all that together and you've got, you know, a a core that kind of feels like it felt back in that era that we were talking about, Tim, you know, in, in, um, you know, back when they they were championships. I don't know how much you could talk about. Certainly, Farhan's talked about the Carlos Correa situation and, and, everything that was put into that and then the deal falling through. But how much of that, Larry, was, God, we need a star. Like, people, fans respond to a young star. That's what this team needs. Now, you've gone in, you know, obviously you've got a bunch of new guys coming in and fans can buy into them. But how much of that pursuit or the pursuit of Aaron Judge was simply, we, we need someone that not only to win baseball games, but that fans can identify and can, fans can identify for five, six, seven, ten, twelve, whatever that contract was, 12 years uh, for somebody that they know isn't going away. That's always on the radar, but I wouldn't say it supersedes the, you know, the being able to kind of the combustible pieces that, or, you know, the, the combustion that you can generate from multiple guys coming through the farm system. I mean, that is kind of, you know, the North Star, Tim. I mean, if we can get that dynamic going, then, you know, signing a, a, a superstar, you know, yes, there's fan appeal. Um, you know, there's only one Aaron Judge. Uh, Carlos Correa, a great player, and for other reasons, didn't get signed. Uh, but, I, I, you know, it's just you, you have to kind of look at where you are and yeah, I mean, there are even some guys I haven't mentioned: Vaughn Brown, Marco Luciano, Keaton Wynn, who is now actually up That's on up, the, yeah. on the big club to, uh, just in, in uh, today, Monday. And uh, as I mentioned, was in hot. And so, so we've got a lot of guys, and I think that. You know, it, let, let's just see. I mean, that's that's the North Star. If we can go that way, and certainly free agents, as we demonstrated in the off season, are not off li- limits or out of bounds, right? So uh, Michael Conforto and and uh, Mitch Haniger, and we we ended up signing you know a number of free agents: Taylor Rogers, Ross Stripling, Sean Mania. So so uh, yeah, we're not averse to it. We're certainly not allergic to it, but. 
it's just it's it's really a it's an art and a science and you want to put some putting the art to it is to kind of see where you know game it out and see if these guys are coming up you want to you want to be able to honor that and then and, and you know and, and and look to it you guys are kind of coming up on the cbt uh andrew Bagley wrote about this as you kind of maybe look to make a move uh going at the, at the trade deadline uh Fallhine has said that he plans to be aggressive I, I you know whether what that word means i've kind of you know rolled that around it could just mean normal it could mean you really are going to go for something i'm sure the win-loss record at the time might really play into that but larry is, is there space to take uh, uh in a trade to, to get a pretty decent size salary or would you have to move some things around to stay under cbt no it depends because cbt gets calculated and in you know how many years out and what's the allocated mm -hmm. portion and without getting too much in the weeds for the for the listeners i, I mean i think at the we're a long way from the trade deadline almost two months for one thing and but the, but the, i think the real governing thing through the years has always been um you know what it's it's you know what are you taking on salary but the real governing thing which tr trumps that is you know what are you giving up in prospects so, for instance, those some of the people just mentioned, uh, you know, are they are we willing to part with them if that's what the price of a player that's going to help us this year? And you know, is it a rental player? Is it a player that has years beyond this year on the contract? There's so many moving parts to it, but um, I know where we, we in the development process where we have all these young players. I know we're going to think long and hard and twice or three times about you know moving a player that we see you know big big things from in, in our future look at the attendance it's certainly been kind of percolating up a little bit that last series i think everything was above thirty thousand, maybe even towards thirty five thousand. but it's still you're still averaging less than last season and last season was your lowest uh, at oracle park in a non-pandemic year um where are you on the attendance larry or is there some worry yeah. you get the downtown pandemic hit you've get you know at this point lack of a superstar uh, is there some concern that this thing's not going to get back up to the 38,000? And I don't know what your level of comfort would be with whatever number of average we're talking about, but I imagine 29,000 is not the average you guys need need in that ballpark. It's a fair question, Tim, and we're really seeing bounce now. I mean, and, and kids are out of school, I mean, and, and everything, but we're, we're seeing bounce. The last 12 home games, we've averaged um, – Close to about thirty-two thousand, which has been good. This past weekend, every game was thirty-five or, or higher, uh, and so and, and that's versus in the uh, earlier uh, games in the high twenties, as you were talking about twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So we're up about three thousand per game, thirty-five hundred per game, and we see that continuing. Uh, you know, for instance, when the Padres are in town next week, we have got big advanced sales, and we we have a day game during the week that uh, you know could get should could should get to forty thousand. So. Um, so, so it, it's it, we're going in the right direction on that. I think that many of us are involved in civic organizations to bring back downtown San Francisco, and it's a very, um, you know, very sobering thing what we went through. Frankly, I mean, to be in all honesty, um, nobody really thought the recovery coming back post pandemic with health issues, you know, pretty much um, any health issues subsided or subsiding that it would be so slow in as a recovery so what's happened in just and the way it's affect attendance is monday through thursday versus friday Saturday, sunday have been pretty pretty much two different stories right so the weekends people 
pack up and come out to the ballpark. But if they're not in the city or near the city Monday through Thursday, uh, you know, they just they'd say, well, let's let's go to the ball game on the weekend as opposed to during the week. Now, that we think will change in two ways. One, in the summer and people off work, there'll be a lot more freedom to come to to games during the week. And by the way, pretty much can count on it being two hours and 30 minutes, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. And then and then the second thing is, you know, what we're hearing, we're talking to the larger employers, is that when we get to the fall, when we get to September, it's going to be a lot more of returning to office. Not exclusively, not 100%, not every company five days. But I don't think you're going to have a lot of companies that are going to say, you know, office optional, maybe a few. But what we're hearing in some of the bigger companies that we're going to have, we, we get thousands of employees coming to various you know, employee nights. Uh, they're saying they're, they're pretty much back. Maybe it's four days, but it, they're pretty much back in September. Uh, and so that's going to, I think, bode well for going forward. I think this, you know, the, the, the rougher patch on a more, you know, hollowed out downtown um it's showing signs of 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 abating don't know how honestly you you can answer this maybe incredibly honestly no matter what what i hear but uh is it was there is there an existential problem for the giants if you're not getting 35 38 39,000 per game does this economic model work if it's 32 if it's 29 Yes, I mean it's it does. I mean we're, we're we can we can figure out a ways to make it work. We obviously want to draw as many as possible um, because I mean the way we've always we've talked about this through the years, the way we operate really is we try to get to break even. Okay, and if if it's if the, if the company's profitable, and there've been a lot of erroneous reports out there about how much you're making, what you're doing, whatever. But if if you if we get to profitability, we put it back into the team. So it's not like we're sending we're sending distribution checks to our investors. We make X amount and you're you're an investor and you own 10 percent. Well, here's 10 percent of X doesn't work that way. We put it back into the team. So, um, you know, so we and, and the good news is we've been over the years, the ballpark. I mean, it's a pretty high bar, right? It's like, OK, you got to be you want to be a thirty eight thousand every year, or every game or forty thousand every game. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were, this is our 24th season, 16 of the 23 seasons, we've been a complete sellout. So I can't say when we opened the park in year 2000, we said, okay, every single year, we're going to be at 40,000. Uh, so look, we'd like to be back, you know, around the, the 3 million mark in attendance. Uh, and so we've been in the two five two six range. You know, last year, this year, that's probably where we'll, we'll land as well. But I do see a path back to, to approaching $3 million and, and we'll be fine. If we can get to $3 million, um, we'll be fine. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Payroll dropped a little this season. I know that wasn't strictly tied to economics, but it did drop. It was based on, you know, it would have gone up with Carlos Correa, I can imagine. Uh, can you go up? I mean, given, like, let's say, th- you know, 32,000, 34,000 yeah. average, you, you don't get 3 million, you get 2.7, you know, whatever. 
Can you go up? Can you go up back? You know, you've been top five for a long time. Can you get back in the top five? It's, it's interesting. If you go year to year, payroll actually increased slightly this year, but the way we look at it with cash, but mm-hmm. you get a guy that's signed to a, a longer term contract and the cash gets put into different buckets this year versus next year, et cetera. So it's, you know, that's just more of our accounting. So, um, but the answer to the question is we won't, we have payroll flexibility. Um, we don't want, what we don't want to do is, you know, dramatically overspend, uh, which will cause us in future years to underspend. And the way, the way really to do it, to keep yourself, you know, in kind of a solid financial footing is to have be able to mix some players in that are 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 the young players they're going to have starting roles and um and that's you know that's happened before right and the year first championship year buster posey was it was first year so he's at the minimum we had other players making you know toward toward the top uh 20 25 30 million close to 30 million dollars um now we're in a situation where uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, our goal isn't to be top five or top 10 and we don't really, I mean, we kind of, you know, it, it, it comes with Farhan and the, and the group sort of say, this is what we need to win be, you know, in the playoffs and then, and and go beyond and go into uh, deep into the playoffs and world series. So this is what we need. And that's not really based on a ranking. I mean, there's so, so much relativity out there with, you know, this team in a smaller market is outspending you, and this team in a larger market is not spending. And you know, the Tampa Rays are twenty seventh in rankings, but they have the best record in baseball. So, I, you, in some ways, you've got to try. I think if you're sitting in position of front office, is to block all that out and say, okay, what do we really need to do to get the team, you know, on a good footing, uh, um, you know, and with with a good team and the younger players obviously help that and and then supplemented we've always supplemented with older free agent players i say older you know veteran players um you know when we have a shot so just like we did with conforto and hanniger and others this year uh going back to hunter pence and cody ross and jake pv and others that helped us win i know this is a greg johnson specific question he has spoken to andy Bagley about this that that every intent to sign an extension far on zaidi or pick up the option for next season uh, Larry, can you say, has that option been picked up? Has a decision been made or are there negotiations for Farhan to get an extension? I would just leave it with what Greg said. I mean, Greg is, is you know, you have to go on what he said. And I think he was pretty clear on the record with with uh, with bags about that. So uh, that, um, you know, we're moving forward with Farhan into into next year. Yeah. I was going to bring up the A's. Want to make sure that you know that, that decision has been made in Nevada legislature. So we're going to skip over that because it's so many different things can happen there. I know the Giants are not involved in that process. So just for the record, I'm going to say we're not going to. I'm not going to ask Larry. It's just too many things in flux. Uh, and if anyone can, wants to be mad about that, get mad at me. I just there's too many. We, whatever he says now is not going to be you know possibly in play for in two hours or six hours or twenty hours. So we're not going to ask about that. Uh, I will ask you, you've got uh, Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko and John Miller, certainly incredibly valuable, should all be in the Hall of Fame, but as, as, as you can know, I'm sure you agree with that. That's um, 100%. So, yeah, yeah, certainly. And, but, you know, they are missing some games and, and uh, there's been some health issues. Uh, Larry, Larry what, what have you been, have you been preparing? You know, I know you've got some younger 
broadcasters. You've had guys coming in, Hunter Pence and Javier Lopez and all these other guys. So where are you like maybe just maybe fixing a permanent you know, kind of rotation for a broadcast yeah. that has been so important to you, obviously. I mean, those broadcasters are so important to this team. It's, it's, it's really the lead edge of our franchise, right, is the, is the, the games. And they've been, I mean, we, the Giants have a great history of, of, you know, wonderful broadcasters, going back to Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons. And, you know, we have such a great, I, I, I think the way we communicate Giants, even, you know, including Rennell, you know, from the, from the booth at the ballpark, um, so, so John is in the hall of fame, by the way, John Miller is yeah. won the Ford Frick award one year. And we, we are going to, we are in campaign mode for crook and Kipe, either individually or together. I mean, there's been together some be awesome. yeah, together. They, they go in together, kind of married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, but the answer to your question, Tim, is that, uh, you know, so you know, Mike is not traveling. Mike Kruko is not traveling and, uh, Dwayne is traveling some, but not, not all that much. So we do have to fill in and we've been, Really fortunate to have, um, you know, some, some some great people. Former Giants, Hunter Hunter Pence, Javi Lopez have done terrific jobs. Sean Estes, uh, Joe Rizzo on the play-by-play, who we all know was uh, is great as a former voice of the San Jose Giants to be able to somebody who's worked hard, you know, in in the minor league world has been able to be rewarded with a you know a, with a fair number of games. And then Dave Fleming, we think, is just a, a, a big star, right? And he does a lot of other things, too. So he misses some games. The reason he misses games is he said he's with ESPN doing basketball and, and football and golf and baseball. So you put all that together, it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, Maria Jacinto and Mario Aliotto and, you know, f- and figure it out. And, and the good news is uh, we just continue to get great, great feedback on on our our uh, announced group so um my view is that uh we will they will be broadcasting for us uh, our kind of core four as long as uh as long as possible i got a couple other questions are we taking you long but this is a good enough conversation if, if you've got the time here but uh i want to ask you about the flippy aloo baseball academy uh and i know there's a minor league kind of complex down there what have you seen from that? Have you? I don't know that you've had any players come up through there, but what's that investment worth for the Giants? Yeah, you know, I really think we we all think uh, in the front office has been sort of a unanimous, uh, you know, uh, you know, a push within the organization to you know put as much into the development side as possible. Um, in some ways, that's maybe where the baseball arms race is going, right? It's like it, it, you, you get players and, and the development. So in the Dominican, as well as Papago Park in uh, Arizona, where we have a brand new complex, minor league complex, um, it's, we're, we're trying to go the extra mile and uh, feel really good about where it's, it's going. We actually just have completed some renovations to it. It opened years ago with Felipe. And, uh, you know, putting his name to it and, and lending credibility and being part of our operation there, um, you know, and um, how, how do you say no to Felipe Alou? Or how do you not listen to Felipe Alou? And um, in some ways, he's, you know, baseball royalty. And so um, we've always had a very strong presence in the Dominican, as you know, going back to the Alou's and Juan Marichal. Um, and so so it's it's a it's really you know, I would say you, know, you talk about top five or whatever, and we don't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, do rankings in this in this way either. But I would say 
um, objectively, it's hard to say we, we don't have one of the better and, and more resourced academies, uh, you know, in baseball. And so we're, we're putting a huge uh, emphasis on it. Uh, let's, let's talk about that Mission Rock development. I see it going up. We see the buildings every time they, they show the games. There they are. Uh, where are they? Uh, and what, what, what what's it going to look like? What's going to feel like yeah. when that when that's open? So what we want it to feel like is and you know is is an area that's just going to be and it's you know in the in anything in the construction phase may be a little tricky when you get to parking you get to to movements but but once it's built and certainly even once this first phase is completed which will be this year and and um, people have already moved into one of the residential mm-hmm. units it's going to feel like a very I think a very cool neighborhood so for instance we have a park opening this fall a seven acre park and on a beautiful day like yesterday we had a, a, a great sunday afternoon against the cubs and to be able to picnic in the park to be able to bring your dog to the park and then to the game on if it's a dog day game uh which we had yesterday but but to be able to um you know enjoy the ballpark pre or post uh we went saturday night uh we had a there was a 4 30 game and there's a, a a cool hotel that's opened on Third Street called Luna. Maybe been there, Tim. And yeah, I've been uh, past it. Yeah, I haven't been in there. Yeah, it's it's really nice, and they have a rooftop bar and a restaurant. So we're gonna have a number of restaurants. We're gonna have a public park, uh, and then we're gonna have a lot more people living in the neighborhood, which will be good. And you know, we talk about getting attendance to, you know, back to forty thousand a game every night. Um, we're going to be having, you know, we and, and San Francisco needs housing and and needs affordable housing, and so. Every residential unit is going to be at 40% affordable, um, all the way up to scale, including workforce housing. So for uh, people at the the lower end of the scale, but also uh, folks that are nurses and teachers and uh, police and fire will be able to afford places in, in, in these units. The first one called The Canyon. Uh, just opened last week and we're going to be doing official ribbon cutting in a week or so. So, um, yeah, so so we just we envision just a new neighborhood in San Francisco that everybody's going to have a lot of pride in and is going to allow you to do things pre and post games that uh, you wouldn't be weren't able to do before when it was just a parking lot. I, I got to bring up, though, I mean, I think you are just starting this. The pandemic hits, right? I mean, you're yeah. talking office visa headquarters. Was there any thought to not do this at some point? Like this might not work. What are we doing? And I thought that myself, and I still sort of think that. <laughs> I mean, there's some risk here. Uh, we know Uber by Chase Center; they really haven't moved in or moved in in a very low percentage way. Isn't there some risk with this? In life, I think sometimes in life, you know, it kind of comes down to who you partner with and who you cast your lot with, whether it's a personal relationship, a spouse, or a friend, or whatever. And that, those are important things. We are we feel very blessed because we're in partnership with with a visa yeah. uh, for one of the four buildings that are under construction right now. And the visa building is almost finished. The one residential building is finished. That partnership with Visa is thriving. Um, I sat with the, uh, the the chair of Visa at the at one of the games recently, and not only are they fully in and fully committed, but they they're talking about using that building as sort of a clarion call and a signature for bringing people back to work in Visa campuses around the world. Um, so that's, that's important. We have a really good partnership with Tishman's Fire, our developer. Um, we have a really good partnership with the city. So the affordable piece is the affordable housing piece is, is in a lottery system. And the city is working with us 
And then we have a number of uh, restaurateurs and retailers, and we'll be announcing them over the next several weeks, um, who are doing leases with us to have food and beverage and, and neighborhood serving retail, grocery stores, et cetera. So it's going to feel like a neighborhood. I, we think it'll feel like some of the you know wonderful neighborhoods of San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is known as a city of neighborhoods. So um, no, we have not looked at in the plug or just the opposite where we can't wait to uh, have all these official ribbon cuttings and openings for uh, Mission Rock. I will say it's pretty gutsy. I mean, I I know the area, I'll put it that way. And I know downtown how much it's been affected. And to go ahead with this, and I know the plans have been this for years, uh, pretty gutsy. And you pull it off, it'd be, it'll be nice for the city. Very nice for the city. Well, thanks, Tim. I mean, you know, one thing also is that as much as the, there's been pressure downtown with the return to work and, and you know, and, and some of the issues, the big street issues in, in, in downtown and certainly in the Tenderloin, um, the neighborhoods in San Francisco, in many respects, have been have been doing well. Right. And it's kind of a tale of two cities so that, you know, out by where I live, Clement Street or Irving Street or Chestnut Street or 24th Street or Dogpatch. Um, you know, those, those areas there, um, you know, people are going out on Tuesday night and Thursday night and Saturday night and, uh, the restaurants are, are doing well. So, um, what we've got to do is got to bring back the, back down, back to core downtown. And, you know, we're really focused on that. And I think the back to work is going to help. Obviously, you know, we have to have an acute focus on safety and the street scene and improving the, the, the homeless situation in, in many parts of the city. No question. All right, Larry, I will end this uh, conversation with a version of a question I ask all my guests. Uh, you, have ha- you have been asked this ver- a version of this question, maybe a little different this time. Uh, Larry Bear, what's your favorite TV show right now? I'm going to come up with one that I'm not sure everybody, that many people know about. It's on Apple TV, and it's called The Last Thing He Told Me. Hmm. Don't know that one. A book in 2014. You ever heard of it, Tim? No, nope, nope. Okay, so it's Jennifer Garner, and one of the uh, it's it's a bit of a of a mystery psychological uh, thriller series, and I won't give it any of it away. But one of the appeals to me, being a native San Franciscan who you know lived in the East for a while and came back, um, one of the, the appeals to me is that it is set. She lives on a houseboat in Sausalito, hmm. and it has all these San Francisco scenes, and um, including they had the very first episode. I think it was just the first episode. They're now six episodes in. I've seen four of them, I believe. To do some binging is uh, the very first episode was at the ballpark. They there had that scene at the ballpark where there was a reporter getting ready to interview Brandon Crawford. How about that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There you go. Well, I figured you'd have some sort of interesting tie to that one. Uh, uh, all good. So what's the name of it again? It's called The Last Thing He Told Me. Last thing it's told based me. on a book, a, a book in 2014, and uh, it's on Apple TV. We're, we're promoting our, our friends at Apple TV who actually are an MLB partner. There you go. I'm watching Silo on Apple TV. I'll throw that out there. It's uh, not How is that? has very little to do with baseball or Oracle Park <laughs> or Brandon Crawford, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thriller mystery, one of you know mythology kind of things. But it's I don't think it's going to fall apart like some of those other. You know, some of those just completely fall apart because they can't keep the mythology up, or they go too fast or go too slow. So if I've liked it. Uh, there's some possibility it falls apart, but I think it's really well done. 
Well, there's so many shows out there yeah. now. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is that I was I was reading, I was listening to a podcast the other day. They were talking about you know if you go back, re- rewind you know seven eight years and just pre streaming days, um, you know there were like I don't know 250 new shows, and it's double that now hmm. per year. Yep. And uh, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of a disruption in the business, so let, we'll see where that goes. All right, Larry. Listen, I appreciate that. Good pick of a show. Good conversation. Uh, thanks for doing the show. Hey, it's great. Great, Tim. See you at the ballpark. All right, gotcha. Uh, that's the show for today, everybody. <laughs>